Hey, it's Greg. Thanks for listening to Toronto Today. Uh, it's the Friday edition, June 10th, on a beautiful morning. We talked to Dwight Duncan, former Liberal MPP, about the future of the Liberal Party, the potential to merge or not with the NDP. It's not an idea he's a fan of. Charles Pascal on education. How do we get Stephen Lecce and the teachers' unions in the same room speaking the same language? It's not going to be easy. Charles is hoping for a cabinet change. I don't think they're going to get one. I don't think that Stephen Lecce won't be the education minister in the province. So what happens then? These are important questions. Anthony Farnell on the weekend forecast, and he weighs in on uh, an iconic Canadian song and what the lyrics really mean. All that and much, much more. My thoughts on, uh, of course, the January 6th commission hearing that was in prime time last night, and we'll play you some audio from it. All that coming up. Toronto Today begins now. Before I get to the uh, hearing last night, and uh, and some we'll play you some audio from it. This is the uh, prime time version of the uh, January sixth uh, riots and an investigation and a commission that's being held. They're they're playing a lot of testimony. There was some editing last night. At times, it looked to, uh, to me a little too Hollywood, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a little bit. As unsettling as the images are, they're unsettling and. So many more people should be held responsible than have been held responsible. But I'm seeing this. Uh, another Toronto City Councilor not coming back to run again. John Fillion uh, told the Star, uh, David Ryder has this in today's Star, by the way, he's the City Hall Bureau Chief, that um, he's not going to be back. Uh, he's described as a rare suburban progressive, and he won't run again. He's 72 years old, going to stick to it. I hope he has a fantastic uh, retirement. Uh, we'll see what ends up transpiring here. He's in Ward 18, so that's Willowdale area. I find this comment interesting. Comment interesting. The last four years have been the worst of the 40. Why is that? Well, uh, he makes the point uh, that it's you can't connect with people as much, whether it's your community or your office staff. You want to be able to meet people in person during the pandemic. My only question is, why didn't you say so while there was an ability to say so? You got great influence on city council. You've been around a long time. You're an influential politician. And where's that voice when it matters? Where's that voice? Where's that progressive voice from getting progress to getting things back to normal? Last year at this time. Let's speed this up a little bit. Chop, chop. Let's open some restaurants earlier than we open them. Let's open businesses. Small businesses were getting crushed, paralyzed, whatever word you want to describe this time last year. Say something. You, you're not even running for re-election. So you got nothing to lose and everything to gain with your influence. Say something. This is the worst. Of course, the pandemic has stunk. I got it. I understand. And there was a time to be at home. And there was a time to wonder what was going on. There was a time to get vaccinated. There's a time to do this, blah, blah, blah. Say something. Say something at the given time. What would you have to lose? Where's, sometimes we ask, where's the win in something? Where's the loss in speaking out? But you're doing it now. You're doing it now. It's too late. Everything. It would have mattered a lot more last summer at this time. Get the, get the, do something so small and pedestrian. So it would seem like getting the Blue Jays back a couple weeks earlier. Instead of waiting until August. August. Most of us, some people were getting on airplanes, double vaccinated, and we couldn't bring our baseball team back after two and a half years. Food for thought. January 6th hearings grabbed me last night. I watched it for a full 90 minutes. Um, this is going to be really intriguing. Here's what I think about January 6th. Um, 
It was certainly gross. It was unsettling. I had that pit in my stomach around 5 o'clock. I watched it all day long, all day. And I was on the air the next morning on uh, 900 CHML in Hamilton. I was working uh, for Bill Kelly's show then. And it's all you talked about. There's only one story. It's all anybody was talking about. My biggest thought when the sun went down in Washington, D.C. on that night was, are they just going to come back the next day? But I think last night painted it into some things that it was not. And I'll explain what that is in a little bit. For for taking Donald Trump to task, for taking the Congress men and women and senators supporting Donald Trump, acting like, oh, this was just, you know, a, a dust up of some sort. This is a mild disagreement. If you watched the footage last night and if you watched it on January 6th, you'd know that it wasn't. And Liz Cheney, the Republican senator, I know people are saying how brave she is. I do think there's some bravery to this. Um, but at the same time, she knows very well, very well that there's there's no way back. OK, Trump burns bridges. He napalms them, as a matter of fact. And she doesn't give a rip. She wants to sleep at night. I you know, whether it's speaking out about the pandemic, whether it's speaking out about restrictions, whether it's speaking out about violence, whether it's speaking out about against terrible things that terrible people do. When your head hits the pillow, you'll feel better when you do things like this. I agree with this. Here's Liz Cheney on Trump. Tonight, I say this to my Republican colleagues who are defending the indefensible. There will come a day when Donald Trump is gone, but your dishonor will remain. As our founding fathers recognized, democracy is fragile. People in positions of public trust are duty-bound to defend it, to step forward when action is required. In our country, we don't swear an oath to an individual or a political party. We take our oath to defend the United States Constitution. Former Attorney General Bill Barr took a lot of heat. There have been a number of attorney generals. There were a number of, like, like Trump, there were a number of defense secretaries. Uh, Trump just fired a lot of people. He did exactly what he did to all our laughs and guffaws and giggles and chortles when he hosted The Apprentice on NBC. But he did it in real time to politicians and lawyers and people that had, you know, credibility in their bank until they started working with Donald Trump. Bill Barr said over and over again, I told Donald Trump, I told others around me that there was no validity towards the fact the election was rigged or that Trump won the election. Of course not. He lost. And Barr told him so. I made it clear I did not agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was bullshit. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be a part of it. And that's one of the reasons that went into me deciding to leave when I did. I observed, uh, I think it was on December 1st, that, you know, how can we, you can't live in a world where, where the incumbent administration stays in power based on its view unsupported by specific evidence that the election that there was fraud in the election now i i will say this and this is where republicans can cash in in november they're already licking their lips at the prospect this joe biden presidency has not gone well there's no way it's gone as democrats would have hoped and the pandemic keep fuel costs down, not let Russia get out of control and attempt a storming of a neighboring country. Well, none of those things ended up working out. And as I always say, I think there's 15% of people on the extreme right, 15% of people on the extreme left, and there's 70% of us in the middle, at least that many, who are just befuddled by it all. We want to tune out both sides of the crap. And last night I'm watching this going, 
this isn't what they're making it to be. Yes, it's violent. It's gross. It's terrible. I don't want to call it tame, but it also wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the civil war. One person was killed. One person was killed. And that was a protester that a Capitol police officer shot. And I'm not going to go into whether uh, that this Ashley Babbitt, who was an unarmed veteran, a female, was shot by Michael Byrd, a Capitol police officer. He felt like he had to do that. Okay, but what I what I do not get is whether the Democrats are going to win this wager here, that this is the incident and this is the moment that voters care about the most. In fact, I don't think they do right now. Five dollars, five dollar gallons of gas is a problem. Low paying jobs is a problem. Violent crime in cities going unchecked is a problem. And covid restrictions are a problem. There are one issue voters. Leave my kids alone. Many of them voted last week who never conceived of voting for Doug Ford, who never thought this was possible a year ago at this time. And they'll step up, Trump or otherwise, okay? And they're going to vote Republican in the fall. And they've maybe voted Democrats 30, 35 years. Gets passed on from generations. So there aren't a lot of great choices in the United States right now. Is Biden going to run again as president? He can, can he? But can you think of another candidate? This is the only candidate they thought could win four years ago. There were some really good ideas and good people on that uh, on that uh, stage when the Democrats would have their primaries. So I and if they're trying to set Trump up for a criminal trial, it looks desperate to set the trial up. If, are, like, are they doing it to set the trial up because they know they're losing the election otherwise? Or are they trying to set Trump up for a criminal trial because they believe they have him dead to rights? But I don't know about this chain of claims here. OK, there are a bunch of moronic, violent, uneducated hooligans. Did I mention they were moronic? Yeah, all that's true. I'm with you there. But how are you going to link Trump saying, let's have a rally and then it turns into a riot. So Trump caused a riot and wanted a riot and documented that he hoped there would be a riot. I don't know. I, I, I don't know about that. I don't think he was disappointed that the riot took out. Um, uh, you know, and caused as much damage as it did and got the attention that it did. Some of this mob, again, mindless, brainless, QAnon, conspiracy, nutcase mob, thought they really could prevent the transfer of power. Some of them, I think, really want to hang Mike Pence and get in Nancy Pelosi's office and get in AOC's office. But that doesn't mean that Trump supported that as some kind of attempted coup. He wanted back in. Of course he did. But if the Democrats over-dramatize this, voters will say, fix the gas prices, fix the energy crisis, give me my job, leave my family alone, get the mask off my kid. I'm telling you how they're going to vote. I'm not telling you it's right. I'm telling you how they're going to vote. We did this for the provincial election, and we nailed it. We told you this last December what was going to happen, and we nailed it. And I don't know if this will be any different. Our next guest uh, was a longtime uh, MPP in Ontario through, well, both some of the Mike Harris years, the Ernie Eves years, and, of course, the Liberals taking power. And uh, he was a cabinet minister, joins us right now, Dwight Duncan on Toronto Today. Dwight, it is great to have you on. Thanks for making the time for us and, uh, and our audience here in Toronto. Good to be with you, Greg. Five straight election wins. I mean, you can't, like, you're the Bill Belichick of uh, Essex County <laughs> politics, Dwight. Well, well, it's... Uh... <laughs> I, a lot of good fortune. And uh, of course, I served as finance minister and energy minister under Premier McGinty. And, uh, uh, you know, just a long time, but a, it was great opportunity for me. And uh, 
I still follow things pretty carefully. Well, that's good. Then uh, we'll, we'll be uh, great bedfellows here. You, by the way, you come in in 1995 off a of Bob Ray majority. You get into politics and you've got an NDP incumbent there in, in Wayne Lassard. And I'm looking at the numbers. I, I moved to Windsor in 97 and worked there for a bit. So I remember you well. And that was a coin flip election. How did you feel going into that night? And such a different way to campaign, right? Nothing online. It's all debates. It's all door to door. What was it like? The, the night before, I actually thought I was going to lose. Um, the Harris, after the debate in 95, Mike Harris's campaign just caught fire. And um, it was like, you know, it felt like air going out of a balloon. And, uh, you know, Windsor at the time had a very long history of uh, supporting New Democrats, particularly the riding I was in. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, um, I was pleasantly surprised when I managed to, to hang on and uh, I went on to consolidate the, those victories, uh, you know, each time getting more and more votes. So, uh, but that was, uh, that was a tough fight. Um, the incumbent uh, was well liked by his constituents and, uh, um, but it was, uh, it was a very, uh, uh, that was up until 2018, it was the, the worst uh, percentage of the votes mm. the Ontario Liberals got, of course, since 2018 and, Last week, uh, it's there's two more that have been a lot worse. Well, I, I look, I think all Ontario liberals um, saw the train coming. And when the train comes, it comes for you pretty hard. 1993, it came uh, post the two Brian Mulroney majority governments. It came from Bob Ray in 1995. So, you know, and all liberals know it's coming in 18. But how disappointing were the results a week ago yesterday? Um. They were disappointing. Um, I never thought we we had a, a real shot at governing. I was my hope was that we would get to twenty to twenty five seats, and that we would form the official opposition. Um, you know, when when you go down to the kind of defeat we we had in twenty eighteen, it uh, you just you can't necessarily hope to rebuild very quickly. Of course, federally, the liberals. Uh, did it uh, between 2011 and 2015, going from third place uh, to to forming a majority government. But those circumstances, in my view, were quite unique, and uh, I felt that uh, I felt that uh, Stephen Del Duca had done a pretty good job since becoming leader in both attracting candidates, raising money, and I really uh, I was really hopeful right up until the results came in that we might win 20 seats. Dwight Duncan is our guest on Toronto today. I maybe it's me, so you'd be a great person to clarify because I say this like it's gospel, and it may not be true. I can't remember the last time a sitting prime minister, whether red, whether blue, whether liberal, whether Tory, um, didn't give at least a shout out, a modicum of an endorsement. There's a lot of balls in the air, but there seems to be this almost alliance with Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford, and Justin Trudeau didn't exactly get out and stump for for Stephen Del Duca. We saw Jugmeet saying a lot, a lot out there for Andrea Horvath. What am I right about that theory? Um, no, I don't, I don't really believe so. An incumbent prime minister has to work with, uh, uh, whoever wins an election. It's much easier for the leader of a, of a, of a fourth party as is Mr. Singh to be out there on hustings and, uh, um, so the prime minister really has to stay above the fray, in my view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our government and the uh, Harper government didn't have particularly good relations, but 
you know, he himself never came out. But I can tell you there were federal liberals very active in writings right across the province uh, trying to, uh, to help us out. And, 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 you know, again, the same thing the other way around, uh, you know, when prov typically provincial premiers uh, stay, stay away from the fray um, uh, when there's a federal election, even though, you know, in my case, for instance, I was very active involved, actively involved in every federal election um, that uh, uh, happened while I was a cabinet minister in the McGuinty government. So, so not surprised by that, but I can yeah. tell you, I met with, campaigned with any number of federal liberals in right, almost right across the province. Um, I got two quickies I want to get in for you. I, I've seen these opinion pieces. Um, should the liberals and the NDP merge? I, I got a feeling I know what your answer is. I think it's ridiculous. I, I think there's always a way back. Politics is cyclical. It always is in Canada. Um, you know, when you and I were in high school or college, we would never have seen the Bloc Québécois rising up, becoming an opposition party. So, so strange things do happen in politics. I just, I don't see this. Do you? Not at all. And, and I'd be strongly opposed to it. Um, you know, the, the Ontario Liberal Party is a centrist. It should be a centrist party. Um, you know, I'm one of those who happens to believe it's okay to change your position. It's okay to yeah. uh, evolve over time, see the world differently. In fact, I think one of Ford's great successes, and, and he deserves a lot of credit for this. I mean, his first year was an was an unmitigated disaster, but he had the foresight to change the people around him to adjust. And I would argue that in fact, he's assumed the center uh, of the political spectrum in Ontario, not my kind of center, but the center. And that's why he got elected with such big numbers. You know, and, and I know, yeah, like, like when you, in the States, Reagan Democrats, there were Clinton Republicans, if you can pull them, and Mulroney did that too. Mulroney did that too in, in 84. He pulled a lot of people uh, in his direction. I want to, give me a give me as much as you can on Nathaniel Erskine-Smith. He's been on the show pretty regularly. Um, he's been an outspoken MP about things like mandates and travel and and even during the, uh, the protests in Ottawa. So he is, quote, seriously considering coming back to provincial politics and getting in the race to be Ontario Liberal leader. And when I heard that, if I'm instantly energized by it, I can't be the only one. Um, knowing what you know of of how, you know, Queen's Park operates differently than Parliament Hill, would that work? Is that a good thing for the Liberals to hear and consider? Um, the short answer is I don't know him well. Mm -hmm. I, I don't even think I've met him. I know of him. He's... Uh, he's apparently uh, excites a lot of people you've said, including yourself. Mm -hmm. I think the provincial party should welcome him uh, to the leadership. Uh, I, I hope he will take it seriously. There's a long history of federal MPs trying to win the provincial leadership that have not, not been successful um, for a whole variety of reasons. Uh, that being said, I think the party needs to, uh, to I, I'm hoping we will have several high quality candidates um, who will uh, be able to inspire people and bring them back into the liberal fold. Mm. Um, but I think what's more important than that is liberals have to kind of figure out what we're going to be all about. Yes, the leader is going to be vital and the leader is the most important thing. Uh, but I think liberals need to have a good discussion. It's already started. You know, the, yeah. my former colleague, Mr. Cerberas, argued that we should consider 
uh, merging with the NDP. I think that's just not the right way to go. Um, mm-hmm. And then we've got to start thinking about where do we want to be on the spectrum and how do you mm-hmm. challenge Doug Ford? There's Lord knows there's certainly a lot of things to challenge. And, um, you know, yeah. uh, but my hope is there will be other people like Mr. Erskine Smith, um, uh, you know, who will be actively considering it as well. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I would welcome his entry. But again, there is a long history. I can, you know, I can think of Mark McGuigan. Yeah, Windsor yeah, that's a good example. And, uh, uh, you know, there's there's been a number of them. 18 years in Queens Park. He knows his stuff. Dwight, thanks very much for making time for our show. We'd love to do this again. Um, you're a valuable voice. A lot of listeners texting in right now saying uh, you're a man of integrity. They're enjoying hearing you. So I hope you'll come back. Thanks so much for the time. Greg, I will. And the reason I was quiet for so long is I was serving as the chair of the uh, Windsor Detroit Bridge Authority, a federal crown corporation. And uh, my term expired last mm-hmm. fall. So I'm back doing these sorts of things. So I'd look forward to coming back on. Thank you. Let's do it again. Great. Dwight Duncan uh, joining us. Sheba, we're going to do a quiz about uh, a well-known celebrity, but it's in relation to the also named Jason Alexander. This must have busted you up yesterday. I I said it. I'm like, can this woman like live in a non-drama world? And this one, I think she's an innocent bystander yesterday, although this Jason Alexander maniac says he was invited to the wedding. I bet you he wasn't. Okay, we have to tell people who that is. So Jason Alexander, no, not the Seinfeld actor. Britney Spears got married yesterday to her longtime love, Sam Zgari. And her very first marriage, which happened decades ago, was to her high school, a high school, I guess a high school sweetheart. Yeah. Right? Named I thought Jason he was just a friend. Alexander. I thought they were totally platonic until they Well, they got met married. But 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 it was they were only friends in high school. Um and she got married at twenty three to this Jason Alexander in Vegas. Yes. And then yesterday, he crashed her wedding Terrible. to Sam. He showed up at her house, uh, and police had to be called, and he was escorted I, away, but he was yelling and screaming and got very emotional. Uh, obviously, there's some, I don't know if there's mental health issues there, or he's, you know, obsessively in love with her and thinks she's making a huge mistake, and he wants to, I don't know. But yeah, he claimed he claimed in an Instagram post, um, we got to shut that account down, that, um, <laughs> that he, he's her only... Husband and I'm like, no, she married the Federline dude like yeah. six months after. She got this first marriage to Jason Alexander annulled 55 hours later. Think of the four of us and how wonderful our wedding day was, and imagine the most nutty person from high school showing <laughs> up and running down the aisle Gosh, yelling yeah. and screaming. It's horrifying it to wor- think about. It works in the movies. Then again, then again <laughs> it does. And then again, rem- I, the only distinction to make is you married that nutty person in Las Vegas That's when you were right. 23. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, you did. Go. You yeah. did sort of open that door a crack. A oh, bit. come on. She was 23. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't marry. A, 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 okay. Yeah. I but mean, you did some wait. stupid things when you were 23. There's just no internet way back then uh, to document I this. I think getting married in Vegas uh, after and then annulling it after 55 hours. I didn't do that <laughs> when I was 23. <laughs> all right. So um, this this quiz, this 4 for 4 quiz this morning is all about this guy. Now, who are you again? George Costanza, assistant to the traveling secretary. You're the guy who put us in that Ramada in Milwaukee. You want to talk about hotels? Or you want to win some ball games? Hey, we won the World Series. Six games. <laughs> so we'll do a quiz on Jason Alexander as George Costanza. Not just as George Costanza. So I think this is an easy one. I know, Sheba, this is one of your favorite films, so we're going to start with you. And don't worry if you give the answer away. Uh, Jason Alexander first appeared to most of us. In Pretty Woman with Julia Roberts and Richard Gere in 1990. Big smash hit. I saw it in the theaters. His character's name was James Smith, 
Edward Stuckey, Barney Thompson, or Brad Gregory, who hasn't been mentioned on the show in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> What's his character's name? Oh. Me first? Yeah, James Smith, Edward Stuckey. Edward Stuckey. <laughs> All right, you guys don't even have to try. Yeah, no, you I... know she's not missing that. That's yeah. a bullseye. Yeah, she barely took a breath. <laughs> he's, I can't remember if he was on a podcast. So Seinfeld doesn't start till two years later, and he said that character was so, like, reprehensible, like he sexually assaults. He's like, I couldn't walk down the street in New York without, like, women, like, giving me the daggers from really? the eyes. Yeah. It's true. Like, they were like, you jerk. And he's like, I'm, that's not really... What I'm about, I uh, I can't write. I can't go it's into a compliment. A, you yeah. played the character. Well. I don't know. Exactly. I mean, it's yeah. like here. Yeah, you come in and the hostess gives you the worst table in the restaurant because well, like, you're Edward Stuckey. Yeah. That's not great. It's like seeing Harrison Ford play a bad guy. It's like no. Oh yeah. No. Don't spoil the movies in which he does. Yeah. Speaking of actors, his shot at a starring role on a sitcom after Seinfeld was a show called Listen Up. It was about a radio talk show host, and it only lasted for 14 months. Oh. Whoa, that's a Anyway, um, so, but he, but a Cosby show actor, not him, was a uh, also on the show in a supporting role, and not her, not okay. Lisa Bonet, Gordy, got to guess this of okay. the four I give you, which Cosby show co-star was on this actual show? Lisa Bonet, Keisha Knight Pulliam, Felicia Rashad, or Malcolm Jamal Warner? Who was on the show with Jason Alexander? Malcolm Jamal Warner. Dave? Yeah, I'm gonna say Malcolm Jamal Warner. Sheba. Oh, that was, I'm, that, yes, Malcolm Jamal Warner. You're all right, exactly. Oh. Theo. Who did I forget? Tempest Bledsoe. That's, That's right. the only oh, one I yeah. forgot. Who was, what's up, Vanessa? Rudy? No, uh, Keisha was, was Rudy. Yeah, well, Keisha, Keisha Knight Pullum Vanessa. was Rudy. <laughs> Tempest Bledsoe was, was Vanessa. Vanessa. What was Lisa Bonet's name? Lisa. Denise. 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 No, Denise. Wait, Denise was the, old, old, the eldest Denise one. Was the, Lisa Queen. Bonet was no, not Lisa. Sandra. No, until they brought in Sandra. Remember Sandra? Yeah, was I do. I do. I do. Oh, yeah. Okay, she yeah, came yeah, back. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, Lisa. You're thinking of Tony Danza, who always plays Tony in everything. <laughs> yeah. It makes it easier for him. Totally. It's easier for him. Tony, you got to hit this scene here. So, oh, oh, okay. Here I am. Angela. <laughs> Mona. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really bad. Uh, one restaurant Alexander hasn't endorsed in a television ad. And, and one of these was famous because he did it way before he was famous. But he hasn't endorsed Applebee's, McDonald's, KFC. Dave, I, I hate making us hungry at 742. I just did that again. I'm going to say he has not endorsed KFC. KFC is the who he has not endorsed. Oh. Sheba? Oh, I'm going to say McDonald's. Gord? I was going to say McDonald's as well. No. It's Applebee's. Applebee's. Oh, it's it's oh. Applebee's. He did, Applebee's. He did a McDonald's ad as a random human being. That nobody knew, and a Pepsi ad as well. When he had even, hair, he had hair he in had McDonald's ad. Well, it was kind of the Homer Simpson uh, <laughs> yeah, Bozo the Clown yeah, yeah. thing going on. There, no but... offense, Gord. You hey, don't have that. You, no. You're a sharp-looking uh, bald I dude. Shave it off by choice. I That's don't want right. to make everyone look bad. And finally, <laughs> Alexander's special talent. Easy, ladies. Um, Boy Scout leader. He's a very uh, esteemed Boy Scout leader. He was a high school tennis champion. Okay, or he's an acclaimed magician. Gord, take a shot at that. Boy Scouts, tennis, magician. It's only one of the three. Magician. <laughs> Dave? Yeah, magician, I think. Shiva? Boy Scout leader. It is magician. He's an acclaimed oh. magician. I don't know how. I don't, can he saw somebody in half? I don't know. Can he That'd be cool. cut a $100 bill out of a lemon? What I don't know that either. What do you do card tricks? Do you, are you still a magician? <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I think I wrote high school tennis champ because I think about Matthew Perry because that was his big thing, oh, right? Chandler? Yeah. I always wanted to play Matthew Perry, especially now. I think I could beat him now. To oh, be totally, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I just wanted to make Shiva laugh by saying that. As you may know, the provincial government will give back, cut the gas tax rate from July 1st till December 31st from 14.7 cents to 9 cents a liter. That's about 6 cents a liter. You're going to... Think about you're going to save maybe $3.40 on a 60-liter fill-up. Think about that. Our next guest, um, he should give that money to me. That's blood money to him. Charles Pascal, professor emeritus at OISE, and as well, author of the uh, brilliant book, Leading from the Inside Out, Hard-Earned Lessons from Education, Government, and Baseball. I know you're not going to keep that money from the provincial government. Give it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll buy you lunch. I finally will buy you lunch. I got kids to put through college. Give me that gas tax money. Come on. There you go. Well, <laughs> I'm going to start walk. I'm going to start walking more. <laughs> oh, you're a healthy guy. You don't need to walk any more than uh, than you already do. Um, you know, we were we were attempting to get you on uh, last week, and uh, I, you were uh, were you moving? You were uh, you were in motion. What was happening there? Well, we were uh, moving uh, my mother-in-law from uh, her retirement home into uh, a, a nursing home, and yeah. uh, I was the uh, point person. So. It's tough. Yeah, go. we did that with my father-in-law uh, yeah. a year and a half ago. It's never, uh, never an easy. I hope it went well, and it's never an easy process. In, indeed, indeed. Um, your reaction to the? <laughs> I haven't talked. I didn't talk to you in the few weeks leading up uh, to the. I might have talked to you maybe a week before the actual debate, the only debate we had, and um, from the provincial government. This was this was a, a team running the football up the middle. Um, Doug Ford wasn't putting the ball in the air. What did you end up thinking of the results last week? In in all earnest. Well, look, uh, you know, uh, the people have spoken, at least 17.8% of all those eligible to vote. So uh, I'm a little saddened by um, the lack of uh, democratic commitment on the part of those who didn't uh, vote. Uh, they have no right to complain about anything for the next uh, uh, four years. But uh, oh, it is what it is. And one has to basically uh, uh, accept uh, things and uh, and move on. So... Uh, you know, based on all the predictions, uh, some of which were, I think, had a dampening effect on actually the, the turnout. I mean, I think the notion that everybody was predicting uh, this uh, landslide, uh, rightly or wrongly, uh, actually had a dampening effect. But, you know, there's no sense in, uh, uh, you know, looking at the rearview mirror uh, other than to, uh, you know, be concerned about uh, the things we care about, including... Uh, Healthcare and education, social services. Uh, from my perspective, I guess because uh, I'm, I'm an optimist. It's 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 hard. It's hard to be an optimist. Mm -hmm. uh, but look, um, the premier and his handlers, uh, aided by some of your colleagues in the media, uh, has described uh, and he's described himself uh, with with help and assist from uh, from various people in the media that he's evolved. That I'm a kinder a gentler person. I've learned my lessons. And so he's, you know, he's done the humble thing. And uh, I, I'm going to kind of hold him accountable for for the fact that he says that he's evolved. Oh, I, I think, think we should. Uh, we have yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got yeah. he's got his new four years and we have to. Uh, I thought yeah. the feet were being held to the fire for many things r before the pandemic. And you've heard yeah. me and you and I have had conversations about overhandlings during the pandemic. I, I'd make the case somehow, some way. I think there is credit to be given because somehow the federal conservatives, 
it's a mess right now, Charles, and they can't break through that GTA wall. They can't, there's a red wall in the 905 and the 416. They can't win seats, and they're going to have to. If they and there's a lot of debate of, as to whether Pierre Polyev can do that. Clearly, that's the case Patrick Brown and Jean Charest yeah. are making. They're like, he's not going to win the seats here. He can win all the seats he wants in Alberta and Saskatchewan. But for some reason, the Ontario PCs. There's, I'd make two points. The Ontario PCs don't feel very affiliated with the federal conservatives. They seem more moderate. And I'd make the case the liberals in Ontario for as much as maybe there's a Justin Trudeau tax here on what happened to Stephen Del Duca. But however, the federal liberals keep their popularity and stay in government. That's not translating the last two elections to the Ontario liberals. They're still sort of in yeah. timeout, as it were. Well, if I apply my uh, optimistic uh Outlook, uh, the thing I want to do is I want to catch the premier uh, doing things right regarding saying he's evolved. And, and so that worked, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's skin deep or uh, uh, honest, I think probably on a human level, he probably enjoys the notion uh, that, uh, that he's going to, you know, govern for all the people. And he might like the notion that people perceive him as kinder and gentler. And so uh, from, from my point of view, which is, uh, you know, passion for high quality, publicly funded education, uh, I think the next uh, tranche regarding my optimism, whether it will be dashed or reinforced, will be uh, his cabinet. So, uh, you know, in education, uh, there are contract uh, uh, issues looming uh, late in the summer. Uh, and uh, if he appoints... Uh, the minister that he has been depending on, who's been extremely destructive, uh, a narcissistic a know-it-all who consults with himself, uh, if there is a change uh, in the, the ministerial portfolio of education, and it's somebody who basically uh, has the ability to sit down and listen, the premier will be sending a, a, a signal that, you know what, let's, let's just, let's just uh, relax a little bit uh, let's listen to more people. There are so many people, Greg, uh, as part of my network and, and others uh, beyond it, uh, who really want to help, who really want to support uh, how teachers are feeling, uh, give them uh, more support to deal with all the issues that were there before the pandemic. So the next thing to look at is uh, don't take for granted that the same minister will be reappointed. Uh, if he is, though, if, if, if the current minister... Uh, I shall not speak his name. Okay, but can we make it work? Can we make, I'll, I have to say it for people uh, to give context. Can Stephen Lecce and the unions find a way to make it work? Can they, can they go to counseling? Can they, put, can they put a marriage back together that's on the rocks? How can we make this work so our kids benefit and even individual teachers benefit? Is it possible? Look, uh, behavior is what counts. And uh, there is, look, uh, anybody... Anybody can change, but when you, when your behavior has suggested uh, that you believe you're the smartest person in the room, uh, that you chat yourself up, that you show no respect, so it's a, you know, if they really want to uh, to turn the page and have a a, uh, a more consultative approach, uh, you get off to a pretty bad start if you reappoint uh, the incumbent. Uh, so we'll see, and and. Uh, uh, the premier, uh, you know, he may decide he wants to be, continue to be the real tough guy, uh, and he's going to take on the, you know, the, the union bosses. You'll hear that kind of language. It, it's been pretty insulting regarding the nature of how uh, the government has treated 
you know, the union movement, notwithstanding the claims that the unions were behind it. You got it. But the, you, but I think you, what I'm getting from you is there won't be good faith on either side. The teachers unions won't be bargaining or communicating or talking in good faith with Stephen Lecce. And that's no, a problem. I, I, I don't like to no, hear that. No, I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't look. Uh, uh, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, again, a lot of uh, comments over the last several years uh, when all the teach when all the students walked out uh, to protest, mm -hmm. thousands and thousands walked out to protest mm -hmm. the way they were dealing with with the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, sex uh, curriculum, uh, you know, uh, and that the government had to back down. Uh, this minister and this premier said, "Well, it was the union bosses that put the students up to it." That's not true, and so I think there's good faith on the part of uh, of teachers and those who represent them, but the teachers. They don't feel well treated. I'm talking about the rank and file. And so, of course, their representatives are going to try to uh, you know, reestablish some respect through uh, some of the things that they want at the bargaining table. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't begin by saying, you know, the teachers are going to go in with bad faith. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, okay. I, I, I suspect there'll be a change in tone. And yeah. I, I'm hopeful that there'll be a new minister of education who will bring that, uh, that new tone. Look. Uh, to having uh, adult conversations about how to uh, proceed uh, with uh, reestablishing a great publicly funded education system in Ontario. And I, I, I want that too. I care so much about public education. Uh, I can't even put it into words. Let's talk when, when there is a shuffle or there isn't a shuffle. Let's have another conversation about it, Charles. Have a great weekend. Really enjoy yourself and always enjoy chatting with you. You too. Take good care, Greg. You bet. Charles Pascal. book's called Leading from the Inside Out. I always want him to uh, sell an extra book or two. He's a great guest for us on Toronto Today. Uh, we welcome in a second day back, doing that uh, proverbial two-day work week. Uh, but she's earned it. Shiva Siddiqui uh, joins us now. I, I think I'm weird next week because I'm working Monday and I'm working Friday, but I've sandwiched three days in the middle. I know I, I worry about that perception. Like, can you count? Like, why not lead your days off into a weekend? But yes. I don't know what I'm doing here. Why will I be back? I'll have a lot of energy on Friday. I will say that. So next week's your two-day work week is what yeah, you're saying. But it's weird. Monday and Friday. And you know me in the four-day work week. My goal is for a four-day work week, just take Wednesday off. Have two two-day stretches where you bust your ass. That's Why not the that? Worst, that's the worst four-day work week. No. <laughs> well, no that middle week day, we could have siestas. We could have street festivals. Flamenco guitarists. I don't know where I'm going with this, but we could. We could. No, no, no. The three-day weekend is where it's at. That's mm -hmm. what we need. Maybe more Monday than Friday, because I think people are in a good mood on Friday anyway, and they're not on Monday. So, like, when, when we have Thanksgiving Monday, I love that. I don't like it. Like, we never have a holiday on a Friday. They're always Mondays. Same thing in the States. That must be by design. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But I guess, no, you, no, I I guess like Good Friday is technically is a holiday that we That's uh, true. That's true. Take. Um, you and I have an iPhone. Sometimes in a friend group, there's that outlier that does the Android thing. You know how you get green text instead of blue text? And you're like, okay, you do. Right you, away. But you're not yeah. on team iPhone, but I'll still communicate with you, I suppose. Well, that's a Samsung, I think, right? That's yeah. why you have a Samsung. It, it, yes, it jumps out at you. Yes. Have you seen this new um, announcement, the new update that's coming from iPhone? Lay, lay out what, because uh, I'm not a text to phone person and, and you are. And I never know though. So when you're sending me a text, sometimes you've spoken it. Oh yes, I don't. I don't type my texts out. But <laughs> Apple iPhone—they're coming out with a new update where you can edit and undo your texts after you've sent them. How do you? So how do you? How, how do you edit them? Because if so, I've seen you, if if you're like, what a terrible idea for tomorrow's show. 
I see your text, and then if I if I look later, and you're like, what a not Great. terrible idea no, for tomorrow. What a fantastic! Show. So I've changed yeah, the word sure. terrible to fantastic. I don't like that, but you'll be able to do that. And I just think that's I don't know. I just don't think you should be able to change your or edit your messages. You can also there's another feature that's coming where you can unsend the message entirely. So when you when you message me and you say. Or you call me and you say, why did you tell me the show, the show's going to be terrible tomorrow? I'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about. I never sent you that text. Because it's a it's a Wednesday and you didn't work Tuesday or Thursday. So that was a huge <laughs> mistake and you're not ready. But but people will see it. Oh, here's what I don't use. And almost everybody I know is starting to use this. The red text where you can see that someone has read your text. Why does someone? I want people. I don't expect people to respond to me right away. But I also, it's alarming, isn't it, when someone's read your text and then like a day goes by and you're like, <laughs> what did I say? But they just might be busy. That's how, that's how it works. Like, our, like our boss, our regional program director, Jeff Story, right? You know him, I know him. He hired both of us, really. And his texts are always red texts. And I'm like... And then, he, and then you never hear from him again. Yeah, <laughs> like, like you send him a text at 4.30 and it's like 6.30 p.m. And you're like... What did I do? Did oh, I he's phrase He's a busy this? guy. I know. Though. Yeah, well, yeah. He's, he's a, a and guy. he has a hot tub. He has a hot tub and a pool and he golfs. But so that's what you think he's I, doing when he's not replying back to your text. Well, I know he's not this year. I know he's not as much. He's probably in the hot tub just as much. He's not golfing nearly as much. So what do you think this is going to catch on like the the edit feature? Uh, I think that if I was young, I think if I was a teenager, I'd love it. I'd well, love it true. as a teenager. You'd get up to all kinds of trouble, then you can just deny it. Or you could just, I'd be like, Mom, what do you mean? I texted you like four times telling you where I was. And she can go into her phone and, you know, figure it out. I'm like, oh, yeah, the location was there. You know, <laughs> just messing with your parents. Yeah, sure, maybe in that way, which was not good for me and my kids. Uh, but no, I don't like this feature. Even like on anywhere, even on, they're talking about, you know, the edit button on Twitter or whatnot. I don't think once you send out a, a message to someone, I don't think you should be able to allow to edit it, to, to unsend it, to recall it, any of that. No. What about the email, though? Because there's many times that the email, and especially the Do you work do that? Do you recall emails after you send them? Um, I'm trying to think if I have only because I've accidentally sent it twice, not because of the content of it. Now I have been that guy before where I've thought, I think twice in my existence, I've sent something back to it. It's, it's been nothing bad, nothing nefarious, nothing where, where I'm taking a, a run at somebody, uh, even jokingly, but I've hit reply all and been like, okay, I'll come to your desk and pick it up at 12 o'clock. Great to see you. Thanks very much. And then it goes to like eight. 88 people and i feel like an idiot when i do oh, that obviously no but way. It's an that guy I, i've never gotten an email like that from you yet where no, you replied all. the reply all i'm really of conscious of it shows your age brady come on hey. you can't do the reply all no i know but it, but it, that's an accident when that actually ends up happening here's what i like now from this iphone owners will also be able to change the font and color of text on their lock screen i i would love to do a little bit different color text when we use our our dock for the show everyone <laughs> who delegated everyone has a different color and that's good because then i know you wrote something and not gord and not dave and um that's easier to tell who wrote what right yeah but when you get a text message the person's name is right there at the top of the text so i know it's just you... for stylistic purposes I think. <laughs> okay so for the aesthetics of it you for like a i think okay okay i think okay how excited are you about this fifa is coming to canada yeah, I saw this report. Um, Toronto and Vancouver, next Friday, they'll name the host cities for uh, the FIFA World Cup in 2026. It's hard to look at an event four years away. 
and be really, really, really excited. But I am. I am. I, I, was, I was disappointed when the Women's World Cup. Do you remember 2015, Canada hosts the Women's World Cup. We didn't have any games here because we were having the Pan Am games a month later. I'm like, I care a lot more about the Women's World Cup than the Pan Am games. I don't know if you went to any Pan Am games events. I did. I did go to a couple of Pan Am games. I went to water any- polo and something and some oh, baseball. Oh, that would be fun. That would be fun. It to was watch. okay. It was okay. So, uh, Irfan Gaffar works out in Vancouver, and he says Toronto and Vancouver are going to be the cities. Now, where I I don't know if Irfan's going to be right about this, but he's going with what he's going with is that there'd be less games and more games in the U.S. where they have a, an abundance of cities. The U.S. could host this on its own. Obviously, they don't need Canada and Mexico to do it. But oh, I'm we're getting th- ten. We're getting ten out of eighty games. Yeah. So I think he's wrong that we're gonna sh- they're gonna get shaved games shaved down, and five will be at BMO Field. And five will be at BC Place. But Edmonton, which did a great job hosting in November, people might remember like the, the team like jumping into a giant snowbank in November when yes, they, they scored a goal. And right. I can't remember who the goal was against. That's but it's, right. it stinks for Edmonton. But they have an older, dilapidated stadium. It's not an airport that's – look, for, they should pull the games from Toronto if we can't fix Pearson Airport in the next year. I'll say that. Put all the games in Vancouver at, uh, <laughs> at their airport. Otherwise, we'll have all kinds of athletes uh, tweeting out messages or video messages right. complaining about it. I, I think it's exciting. I think Vancouver, apparently Vancouver and Toronto, the only cities that are going to be hosting. I know 2026 is a long well away, but I mean, I don't know. World Cup FIFA, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it, it will be. And uh, and I have this plan to take a good chunk of time uh, off work and go up and down the states. I hope everything everything is easier than how could it not be? Everything's been easier now than it was six months ago, 12 months ago. Um, yeah. And we've just... We're able to go up and down. I want to. I want to. I want to go to the states for a week and then come back and see games here. Um, you and I saw this about cockroaches too. Um, <laughs> now you wrote in the. I'm not afraid of ever, cockroaches. I don't mind spiders. I kill on a regular basis. We got another mouse in the house that the cat killed, no. and I had to. I, I I have this one tennis ball can that is pr- a pretty diseased tennis ball can now, where I scoop either a live mouse and save its <sighs> existence and take it out to the forest, right? In this case, I had to get a, a little dead mouse. Oh! it's it, But it happens. It's the circle of life, and that's but what my cat's to, supposed to do. Yes, that's true. But you have to figure out where these mice are coming from. There's some kind of an entry point somewhere no. in your house. So you have to like walk around the outside and see where what where, where the hole is, where the little leak is, where between like a stone something. Something's going on that yeah. they're getting into the garage and they and they can jump. That's the one th- I mentioned it on the air last summer and the guy a guy from uh, uh like Orkin I think uh said like they can jump like 14 feet in the air. They could jump onto your bed from oh, the floor okay, if that no, was no, no. Oh, you I don't like think, that. No, no, no. Okay, so this story, I saw it and I thought, okay, this this would be a horrible nightmare. So there's four people that were in court. They were appearing in front of a judge in um in Albany. And I guess there was a court uh reporter that no she wasn't a reporter. She was uh she was an employee of the court. She was a regional coordinator. Mm-hmm. And she somehow distracted the rest of the court and the judge uh with her cell phone while four people in the court opened up bags and bags of cockroaches and just let them out everywhere. And so these cockroaches are running around all over the courtroom. This is like hundreds and hundreds of of cockroaches. Who are these anarchists? They're terrorists. No, really. No, that is terrorism. Yes, it is. You never forget that that day. 
ever. Absolute terrorism. So she, because she's an employee, she was charged with disorderly conduct, tampering with evidence. But can you imagine, like, you you're, you are scared of everything. This is what I'm learning, that you are, you do have a lot of fears. Let's say that. Yeah, but you, they're like alligators and sharks and No, and you have some cobras. strange ones. There was a strange one the other day that you, that you told <laughs> and us And possums. <laughs> so what's your worst nightmare? If you're sitting in a room somewhere waiting for something and this is let loose in the room, other than the obvious, like alligators. Yeah, it's pretty... Uh, no, it's not the. It's a snake in the house. It's a. It's a. How a, how could a garter snake like get, like just slide through the the screen door or something? Sometimes I don't fully close it. Um, and the yeah. and the cat likes to go in and out to the backyard. That would be the you worst. A, I'd never. I'd call. A, I'd call a uh, uh, one of those pest guys right away. If a gar. There's no way you could get a, even a tiny garter snake out of the house. We need Dave to come over with his lawnmower and and run <laughs> run it over because he was running over uh, things in his mom's yard way back when it was just rhubarb it was yeah i know but it was still some okay it wasn't a living <laughs> breathing organism but we're we're in the neighborhood we're in the neighborhood it's a good question i used to have a uh, producer and uh she'd play this as the last bumper going into friday some people do the daniel craig thing gord the snl ladies oh, and gentlemen yes the weekend the weekend yeah. with the actual artist the weekend yeah. now when you think about this, my 16-year-old son, he's a bit of a, you know, I, he'll, I don't generally want to talk about kids because they don't have a choice. Like, if, if I had a reality show, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign up because the right. kids don't get a choice in that. I always think about that when, like, Denise Richards puts her kids on or all that stuff. Anthony Farnell will weigh in on this, too. Working for the weekend, are you working, this, this, my son asking this, it's a fair question. So He asks honest questions. Kids are very curious, even teenage boys. Never mind. But anyway, he says, does that mean they're working during the weekend? Oh. Or are they just trying to get, like, if I told you, Gord, I'm working for Christmas, you'd be like, oh, that's too bad. You're working on the 25th. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to get there. Yeah, just trying to get there so I can get some I presents. I think yeah. Mike Reno is singing about getting to the weekend. But maybe he's got a Saturday and Sunday shift we don't know about. I've done those. Wow. They're not, like. It just blew my mind. Let's bring on Anthony Farnell. This is a great, like. You'll never hear this song the same way again. Is he trying to get to the weekend? Or does he have Saturday and Sunday shifts? And if so, can he get a better job or work his way up the ladder, Anthony? What's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. I think the <laughs> overall tone, the tone suggests, unless he really likes working uh, on the weekend. Uh, yeah, I, I see it. I, 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 it's all about perspective, right? <laughs> And it's important to point out, as you and I know, you and I are, are uh, generationally uh, linked. Um, all these decisions and questions made by all members of Loverboy were made wearing le- red leather pants. So I don't know yeah. if that changes perspective and opinion and 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 uh, your ability to see the, the macro picture. I'm not sure. Yeah, and, and weekends were different uh, <laughs> back then. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, if I say, hey, I'm working for Easter, people are like, oh, my, I'm really sorry. I, you wanted to travel it? No, no, I'm trying to get there. It's Tuesday, and I'm working. Yeah, that's I just the, want to put those red leather pants. Back that's right. That's there. right. I'm war. Yeah, what's better than an egg hunt and red leather pants on the same beautiful afternoon? All right, let's talk about the weekend because this is perfect. More rain in the forecast. Uh, not today, but not going to be a washout. Kind of what Saturday pop up showers, but which is the better day, Saturday or Sunday? Yeah, I would think Saturday overall is the better day, and it's only better uh, if you're not underneath one of those pop-up showers because they are going to be uh, pretty slow-moving. So I think 
Uh, if they do occur, and it's, it's mostly along the Lake Breeze, which uh, pinpoints areas north of Highway 401 all the way uh, back down towards southwestern Ontario, a few pop-up showers, um, nothing overly intense, maybe a lightning strike, uh, and then it diminishes, and then it's actually a nice evening out there. And uh, Sunday we have a front mm. coming through, and that's a different story. So we're, we're going to see more widespread showers uh, and slightly cooler temperatures. But even Sunday, I, I wouldn't fully cancel plans, just kind of time it accordingly, look at your weather app, figure out those hours, because uh, there's there's going to be a few sunny breaks in there, and it'll be a nice part of the time. I'm conscious of, of commenting, not complaining. Nobody likes a whiner or a complainer. But it has rained for, I'm commenting on the fact it's rained for five days in a row now. Um, and any sort of, like outdoor plants have been very hit and miss. It's like, yeah. oh, let's do this. Let's go for that walk. And 20 minutes later, it's pouring down rain. We had, we've had a lot of days like that this week. We have, yeah. Five, five in a row today actually is, is we're going to end that streak and then start a new one coming up here tomorrow. But uh, I just know that people have had more plans to attend because I'm getting emails, texts from people I haven't talked to. I'm like, oh, you, you, you want to hang out? You want? No, no, I just want to know if my content <laughs> rained out uh, tonight. So, so, yeah, it's one of these things we've been dodging. And, and this is a pattern. I mean, we've talked before. We knew uh, it wasn't going to be just right into this summer heat and every day beautiful, those muggy nights. Uh, we're going to get there, I think, uh, as we go into next week. Uh, the pattern starts to shift, and, and this is one of the reasons why we, we still haven't come out with our summer forecast. We're, we're waiting to see how this this sets up, but uh, the first area is to, to really become hot. The first real heat wave of the year is going to be across the south-central U.S., and then it just kind of balloons out from there. So, so that's where we're looking first for the heat. And then we're going to get into some of it late next week. Yeah, we're looking like maybe Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, I, I even this morning, 11 degrees, and that's close to double digits when I got in the car this morning in the driveway. And I'm like, we don't, we're not usually in single-digit overnights early in June. Not now, and maybe 80 years ago, but not now. Yeah, yeah, and not, uh, I mean, night after night. We've been a few in a row now. So uh, it's one of the reasons that we're still in this unstable pattern. You have cold air aloft. So uh, even yesterday, the sun came out after the rain in the morning, uh, and then you just felt, uh-oh, are we going to see something bubble back up? Uh, and it did. It actually made for some pretty nice rainbows late in the day. But but that's kind of the, the, the pattern we're in. Uh, one of these things with the, these heat dome, heat ridge setups, they, they tend to dry out the plains, which have been quite wet. So if that's the center of the heat this summer, uh, that if you like heat here, that bodes well because uh, we start to see uh, our air come from that area. So it is going to get hot. It may take uh, until July to really set up. And I do think the second half of June ends up being stormier than normal. So uh, these thunderstorms that are going to come in from the northwest, uh, it's kind of the ring of fire, we call it, when you have those yeah. big heat ridges. Right around the edge. That's where you look for strong to severe storms, and and we're on that edge. Well, we'll take uh, we'll take a sunny, relatively seasonal day today uh, with no trouble from the skies. We'll take that for a Friday. Anthony, we'll be watching tonight at five thirty and six. And if you like heat, humidex of thirty eight by later next week. So just hold on. <laughs> Sign me up. I like that heat. Anthony, have a great weekend. We'll talk next Working week for the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for settling our uh, our moral. An ethical quandary. I don't know if it was a moral ethical quandary. It sure was a lyrical quandary. Anthony Farnell, Global News Chief Meteorologist. 
Thanks for listening to Toronto Today. We greatly appreciate it. We got more in our Father's Day contest, a phenomenal contest next week on the show on Monday. And you can hear us on the Radio Player Canada app and at 640toronto.com. Such a privilege to bring you this show with Sheba Siddiqui, Dave Bradley, Gord Rennie. We'll see everybody after the weekend.